0: All right, welcome back to the Front Nine Podcast. Derek, Nate, and Bob are here with you tonight. Excited to be talking about uh, the, the playoffs and what we have coming up here this week in the Tour Championship. Obviously, Tony Finau Winston Northern Trust. Patrick Cantlay, Bryson DeChambeau have a little bit of uh, I don't know a, a shady experience uh, somewhere uh, along the lines, and so we have a lot of lot, lot to talk about. Uh, we got Ryder Cup stuff, obviously implications, and those kinds of things that have have come out of this. We have uh, a guy driving across the country in a van because he had pneumonia, was in the hospital, and is going to try and play in the Tour Championship to try and secure a spot on the Ryder Cup team. Uh, and uh, we have a lot of things going on. So just a lot of cool stuff to talk about. Glad to be talking about it with you guys tonight and uh, look forward to our conversation. But I'll kick it off with this. Um, Tony Finau didn't win by a million, but he obviously he did win by at least one. Uh, did you guys feel like – I mean, obviously – the way everything transpired and, and played out, I know Tony played so great um, on on Sunday. It's hard to take anything away from him, uh, and I, we, we've all wanted to see him come across the finish line and get a win again. But but the way that it happened with Cam Smith hitting a ball out of bounds on the first playoff hole, I mean, did you guys feel like Tony Finau really went out and won that golf tournament, or do you feel kind of like, eh, he kind of got lucky?
1: Well, I don't, I don't know that I don't, he got lucky because I think that's part of golf is you have to put yourself up there enough times. And I think we've talked about this about Finao specifically. You put yourself up there in that position enough times and some good things are going to happen to you. Um, and I don't necessarily think that much about Cam Smith hitting the ball out of bounds. That's a challenging tee shot with the wind blowing. Um, I, I do tend to think that that was John Rahm's tournament to lose and he lost it. Rom was mm-hmm. playing really well all week uh, in great form. And then he just kind of like, I don't know if it's his attention span, his focus, it seems to wane and he'll hit these, like he'll hit great shots and then it'll hit shots that like one of us would hit. It, it's, it's head yeah. scratching what he does sometimes. And it's not always the same thing. It's not like he struggles on the greens or hit it. Like he hit a couple kind of questionable chip shots or he'll hit a bad drive, or a wet. He just kind of hits a what I would consider, for as good and as talented as John Rahm is, he hits a foul ball. Um, and so I, I don't necessarily think that Finau got lucky, but do I think that John Rahm should have won that tournament? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know, you play well enough, you put yourself in that position. Sometimes those things happen. Uh, you end up taking advantage of Rom kind of fading over the last nine holes, and you know Cam Smith hitting one bad drive. Yeah, yeah.
2: I don't. Bob, what do you think? I, I, yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think you know. I got lucky. I mean, it, it's really hard to win on the PGA Tour. Um, and if we got, if we took away every victory from somebody who hit a bad shot in eighteen, and and another guy won, yeah, um, I. I how many really real winners would there be out there? I mean, that's just, that, that's part of golf. Uh, kind of like Nate said, you gotta, you got you gotta play all 18 holes, um, or 72, or, uh, in the case of this weekend, 78. Um, uh, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which we'll, we'll get to, but that's just, that, that, that that's golf. Uh, Fino had a great tournament. He had four good days. He got him there. Um, and at the end of the day, he didn't fade. He took advantage of the opportunity that was there and, um, I, I think it sets up really well for him for the rest of this year, and you know maybe this is a springboard to bigger and better things. I mean, I think we all we all think Vino uh, easily can win a major in his career uh, at some point, and I think this sets him up to have that opportunity.
1: And on on that one point, I do think it's important to note that he hit first on the playoff, and he piped yeah. his drive. Yeah, right. he piped his drive out there. It's not like he kind of saw cam smith hit it out of bounds and have to hit a, a third shot from the tee and then kind of just played it in he smoked mm-hmm. his drive out there short of that bunker put it in great position and i would have to think maybe added a little bit of pressure to cam smith so i don't necessarily yeah. think he he got lucky um derek I, you may have seen this on social media the funniest thing coming out of out of his victory Um, apparently, (laughs) apparently they went to celebrate at uh, a local Ruth's Chris. Well, so they went to Ruth's Chris right afterwards. Had, I'm sure had some, some great steaks and and hopefully some great drinks. Um, and then made a, a McDonald's run at 2 AM that (laughs) from, from what I saw consisted of like a 10 piece nugget, double quarter pounder with cheese, a Big Mac and an Oreo flurry. McFlurry or yeah. whatever they call those. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was his order at McDonald's at 2 a.m. after he won a tournament. So, yeah,
0: that's pretty incredible. I mean, that's you're getting up there with Bryson six pizzas a day kind of thing. Uh, that that's a it's one of those uh, one of those situations. It, it amazes me what those athletes can eat. Like I remember, uh, you know, back in the day when uh, Chad Johnson slash Chad Ocho Cinco was a wide receiver in the NFL and how uh, they used to do reports about how he would go to McDonald's every day for like two meals a day, every lunch and every dinner was McDonald's during the season. Um, It's just like, man, like how can you eat crap and be such an incredible athlete? So, uh, but good for Tony P now. That's a, that's, that's a pretty cool celebratory meal. Um, And uh, I'm sure, uh, from from what I've heard about Tony Finau's story, I'm sure he grew up eating a lot of McDonald's because I don't think he grew up with a whole lot of money. I think he grew up fairly poor, and, um, and and so my guess is McDonald's is near and dear to his heart. And I'm glad that he hasn't hasn't changed that just because he's uh, he's been pretty successful in the PGA Tour. Um, but to y'all's point, I I, I think yeah, I, I also I don't think that he lost it uh, necessarily. Um, or or got lucky, um, I should say. Um, I would that that uh, you know. I think he actually really won the golf tournament in regulation on 18 when he had to get up and down for his par and hit a six foot par putt um, to to save par there and keep himself in the playoff. Um, I think that's really where he uh, he won it and he won it uh, with the with the putter. I mean, he putted so well. Um, that week and it's just playing been been in such good form as of late that it's just one of those things where uh it's really been awesome to see um how well he's been playing that he's been getting closer and closer and closer and then he finally um he he gets it he gets it done uh in and obviously the biggest event he's he's ever uh won so it's a playoff event and it basically locks up his spot for the Ryder Cup team right I mean you guys think he's a lot
2: for the Ryder Cup team now Oh, absolutely, hundred percent, no doubt. That's that's that, that's like those commercials that uh, I forget what it's for, but you know, it's the easiest decision ever, and they choose Barkley to play basketball. You know, I mean, that is yeah, uh, that's easy. Phenomenal. I told
1: you, I still have it.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So um, so it's it's really funny too because i love what John Rahm said after the round did you guys see that yes i i agree thing from john rom and like you said i mean the guy who probably should have won the golf tournament uh but the way that he responded and spoke of tony fee now in the midst of tony's victory in the midst of his loss and really his his downfall on the back nine on Sunday was just class and and very very cool to see from from the number one player in the world
1: I agree. He gave him a big hug, and I think he 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 made some kind of comment to the media when they asked him, like, "Hey, what was, why did you react so positively like that?" And he think I think he said something along the lines of, like, "One, if you guys have ever met Tony Finau, you can't help but be like exceedingly happy for Tony Finau. Like, how can you not yeah. be?" Was yeah. his comment, I think, which, yeah. which I think I is, think, I think he yeah. said.
0: I think he said if you don't like if, if you know Tony Fenaw and you don't like Tony Fino, you're not a human being. Like that's yeah. I think that was kind of what he said. It was like very, very kind, very kind.
1: And I think that goes a long way because I think we've talked about it on the pod before. There are two guys that everybody on tour talks about as being great guys. Jordan Spieth and Tony Fino. Right. Yeah. Just
0: absolute tons of fun to play with. Speaking of Jordan Spieth, yeah, you know, a couple weeks ago when we were on the pod. I picked him to win the Northern Trust, and man, like I don't even feel like he showed up at either of the first two events, and it's kind of devastating because he's been he was he's been in such great form all year long. I thought this was going to be like the the time that he really put it all together and 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 pull it off. He's not even been in contention either either the first two events. I don't even know if he made a tour championship.
1: I saw a stat that. Um, a tweet that came out from the tour, I think that said something along the lines of he's the first player in PGA tour history to record two Eagles and two triple bogeys or higher on the same scorecard. <laughs> <laughs> I think he, he made an Eagle and then he hold out and then he made two triples in the same round. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so I saw something like that, and that may have been his second round, maybe, maybe his third round, I can't remember, but I think he's been playing okay, but he just can't get away from big numbers. Very inconsistent. Right.
0: Yeah, well, and that's the thing, like the first tournament, he, he didn't play well the first day, but then he shot like 61 or something like that the second day, and then he just fell apart on Saturday and Sunday. So it just... He, he, I think he's had a couple low rounds over the last couple of weeks. Just hadn't been able to put four rounds together to, to really contend. So, uh, you know, I think I think that's interesting. Well, let's let's move on uh, to uh, talk more about this past week's BMW Championship. Obviously, comes down to a six-hole playoff with Patrick Cantlay and Bryson DeChambeau, um, and. And there was a there was a lot. I mean, they they're basically out on their own all day long, kind of in front of everybody else. No one really got close um, on Sunday to to catching them. Uh, I mean, how, how did how did you guys feel watching that, and and what really stood out to you as you kind of took it in, um, and and were were I don't know, just watching the from from kind of the last back nine regulation into the playoff. I mean, what really stood out to you guys?
2: Well, I'll tell you, one of the the hardest things I have is watching some of these tournaments that are uh, sponsored by some of my competition, and I can't turn the TV off because it's just too good TV, and I keep having to watch (laughs) commercials for inferior, produced overpriced vehicles. Um, But uh, I suffered through it um, because the entertainment value was just way too high. Uh, And and going all the way to the end, but um, my big takeaway, and we talked about it a little bit, uh, you know, us kind of going back and forth, was uh, it it was the 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 entertainment was great. It was good good golf coming in. The playoff was fantastic. Uh, I was encouraged by the play of the U.S. Ryder Cup squad uh, and seeing some guys who had been in really questionable form coming in. They played better, uh, like Bryson, like DJ. you know, played uh, a little bit better than how they had before. Um, Cantlay, obviously winning, I, I think that makes him a lock for the team. Uh, so that was pretty cool for me to watch because that's I love the Ryder Cup and I can't wait to watch it in a couple of weeks. And nothing against the Tour Championship, but uh, I'll definitely you know the Ryder Cup is, is must must see TV for me. But uh, that was that was pretty cool for me to watch and and kind of uh, see some of the Americans show up a little bit throughout the uh, throughout the tournament.
1: Well, and I think the counterpoint to that is I think you saw some Europeans show up a little bit over the last couple weeks too, right? Rory kind of turning it into form. Sergio was making a charge. I saw Lee Westwood's name a couple times on the leaderboard, and I don't think Lee Westwood could care less about what is happening in whatever tournament he's playing right now. I think it only matters to the extent that he wants to get his game in shape for the Ryder Cup. Yeah, So. I think that I think that kind of cuts both ways on on both teams as you like to see some of those big names play a little bit better uh, as we start to to get closer to, to whistling straights. Right. And
0: obviously you think of John Rahm and right now where he's at, I think he's going to be a very very difficult person to go up against in the Ryder Cup uh, when when you think about their Europeans. I mean just as as solid as he has been since you know, the, since Memorial really this past summer. Um which we all know the story there, but like since that point, I mean, there, there clearly has not been a more consistent uh, top of the field, you know, golfer in the world than John Robb. And, and it obviously his world golf ranking reflects that, but but I think it, it also is going to be one of those things if, if there are a lot of other guys like Rory and Sergio and Lee Westwood and, um, and those kinds of guys who are really playing well, I noticed on the European tour this past week a twenty-year-old. Uh, I don't. Even, I can't even. I don't know his name. Nate. You might know his name. Bob. You might know his name. But he won his fourth event on the European tour. as just a twenty-year-old. I can't imagine that it, that guy probably is going to be on uh, the Ryder Cup team for Europe. Um, I, just so many guys that you know we might not know as well because they're not household names like the U.S. Uh, team still scare me a little bit going up against them, just knowing the track record that the U.S. has in the Ryder Cup uh, and and how seriously those European guys take it. It just – it it definitely is not something – as I watch this, I'm like, oh, man, you got – there's a lot of tension around the U.S. team and there's a lot of good play coming out of the the European side as well. So uh, it'll make for interesting storylines going in for sure.
1: Well, and I think that ties Uh, in, yeah, I think that ties into what happened at that uh, German subpar manufacturing open (laughs) that occurred out there.
2: I want to clarify, it's not subpar, it's overpriced. Oh, okay, is that what? Their their vehicles are well produced, just probably at about 40% premium cost to a other um, very well produced, well known, smaller Japanese niche company uh, out of Hiroshima. So.
1: <laughs> well, I'm a I'm a bigger fan of that uh, of that Japanese engineering and manufacturing as opposed to that German stuff. Anyway, but yeah, um, I I think that that that's going to be the interesting part about the Ryder Cup. I think the U.S. is going to be heavy favorites if they can figure out a way to cope and deal with what I I guess we just call drama, and most of that seems to be focused around Bryson DeChambeau. I don't understand how we have been... I've watched golf for most of my life, certainly all of my adult life, and I just haven't seen a guy who is constantly involved with as much, we'll just call it drama for lack of a better term, every single week or every time he's in contention seems to be something Right, and we were talking right. a little bit about this before the pod. Like, if you want to talk about his pace of play in Memphis, and like, there's all of, you know the Brooksy thing that's happened. I think that probably started at the Memorial where Brooks came out with that spot and said, "Hey, if you get kicked out for calling your favorite golfer his name, let me know. We'll send you a, you know, some some beverages." Right, like mm-hmm, that goes mm-hmm. all the way back to the beginning of the summer, and he's been dealing with some of that stuff. And now there are some apparent issue or beef with cantlay it's very strange how bryson finds himself in the middle of all this stuff and i think he brings it on himself uh but at the same right. time you would yeah. think he i don't know if he's not smart enough or if someone around him can't necessarily clarify what needs to happen um But why can't he just kind of play golf and let all that other stuff take care of itself? Because he seems to crank up the intensity with all this with his reaction, right? If you let the Brooksy stuff go, that that would have been dead in June. And you wouldn't still be dealing with it now. Yeah. Uh, It's funny that you
0: say that because I I was listening to... um, You know, I was listening to a podcast with Bryson not too long ago, and he was talking about how all the quirky things that he does, he does to try and make the game easier. He tries to make the game easier for him so he doesn't have to account for as much stuff. He's already accounted for everything so he can be more confident in hitting the shot and all of that kind of stuff. And and that's all well and good. And obviously, I mean, he's not... he, He still is one of the best players in the world. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But, like, to your point... Like, all of the stuff that he does, as easy as it might make him to hit golf shots, it makes him hard to walk around in his own skin because he is drawing more attention to himself with everything. He's put himself under a microscope because of all that stuff, and and he doesn't seem to handle that very well. I mean, he might be able to handle hitting golf shots fine, but he doesn't seem to handle the other stuff, the stuff on the outside, the the, the, the dispute with his equipment. Uh, team, the, the yeah. dispute that he's had Great with Caddy, the, the dispute that he's had with Brooks, the dispute that he's got with Cantley, the dispute that he had with a fan this week. I mean, it just is not seemingly handling the outside noise very well, which, I mean, as, as well as he might hit a golf ball, seems to be a, a very important part of professional golf, that you can handle the outside noise and it not get in your way. Right. And um, and it's it's definitely, I think, getting in his way. I feel like, um, you know, he's he's quickly developed a uh, since the U.S. Open, since some of his comments going into the Masters last year. I think he's developed kind of this pompous feeling amongst golf fans and amongst people in the game of golf that really root against him.
1: Well, he certain. Yeah, I, and I don't know about root against him, but he's certainly not making any fans. Um, because well, I think he's I the guy that everybody likes to kind of poke fun at a little bit, right? When
0: right. when Cantley hit that when when Cantlay hit that putt in the playoff, I got up and yelled. I was super excited. And when <laughs> Bryson missed his putt, I yelled even louder. So I, I root against him. I don't like the guy. I can't stand. I can't stand his his like the way he goes about. The going through the game, like I it's, well, I don't think
1: anybody you know it golf annoys sco- me. I, I agree. I think it rubs a lot of people the wrong way. I don't think anybody likes a know-it-all, and I think we've talked about that a couple times. Like Bryson comes across as the guy who, like, he's the one who's discovered the secret because he is somehow smarter than everybody else, and he knows this from a scientific perspective, and he's it's unique, and he's quirky, and he does all these different things. Um, but the problem is he can't just go about his business. He has to talk mm-hmm. about it, or he has to be right, and and he has to prove that to everybody. And and he he mm-hmm. gets so affected, and he internal clearly he he try, I think he tries to act like he doesn't, but I think he internalizes all this stuff, and it really uh, really bothers him. I don't think you lash out at a fan for saying like get him next time, Brooksy, unless you're in a really bad place mentally. And I understand mm-hmm. he he kind of, I don't want to say he collapsed but I think and we can talk about kind of the your guys thoughts about the playoff but I think after the first 3 holes of the playoff Patrick Cantley you know had a had one look and and was kind of holding on and Bryson had some solid looks to to finish him off I mean he was dry on 18 man he was striping the ball way down there 325 in the air and he was hitting pitching wedges to you know whatever that was 12 feet. Uh, and one of those, I think was probably six feet. Like it wasn't very far. Um, yeah. And so I understand the disappointment because I miss a ton of putts too, but you don't lash out. Like you just have to, there, there's certain things, you know, you can't do. You don't lash out at a fan. You certainly don't get up in his face. You, you don't, you know, throw curse words at him. Uh, that's off limits. Right. And, and I, I just don't understand how this continues to happen. Like, yes, like you just went through the, the, the a great list, Eric. Like, it, it seems like at least twice a month we're talking about some other controversy or dispute or drama going on with Bryson DeChambeau. It's crazy. There's no way. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how good you are at just going about your business while you're playing golf. There's no way that doesn't affect you. And I think some of these responses that we're seeing um, it is indicative of the fact that the things that are happening are bothering him and, Mm -hmm. and maybe he can find an escape. Like I think we now know tiger certainly was, you know, tiger was dealing with some things off the course, was doing some things off the course, but I think he found, uh, that when he was playing golf, he could just play golf, right? He didn't Mm -hmm. have to worry about any other thing. He, he knew how to play golf and he wanted to go out there and play golf and he played golf and he was great at it. Maybe Bryson can find a way to channel that, but you see things like the, the the thing that popped up with Cantlay, right? Like where he tells him to stop walking, like "Hey, can you stop moving?" Like that, that never happens on tour. Bones says he's been caddying forever and he's never seen something like that before. The guys on the right. coverage noted how rare and unusual and strange that was. Right. Um, so it's, well, it's, I think it's, I don't
0: I don't know if it's actually true, but I felt like once that happened in regulation, Cantlay really put. <laughs> He, he really put his, his feet down and said, you know what, we're going to go after this
1: thing now. Like, well, I don't... No, I, see, that's that's just, my problem with he, it. I don't think that's true, because Cantley hits it in the water a couple holes later. Like, well, I, I thought Cantley was... I thought Cantley was, was, was going to win until he hit the ball in the water on... What was that? 17. The part three is 16? Yeah, 17. Whatever whatever that is. is. Seventeen. Yeah. When he hit his tee shot in the water, now he got up and down, and, and then he made that amazing putt on 18 to force it the, the playoff, but... I, I mean, I agree with you, Derek. I thought, because Cantlay seems like very stoic, very focused. Like, he's just going to sit, and I think his post-round yeah. post, post round comments kind of, that that's what he said. You know, like, I was just in my own world. Like, I just try to focus on my process and what I was doing. And I think you can see that out there. He doesn't show a lot of emotion. It, it almost looks like, you know, he's kind of robotic and just doesn't care. Um. Like, if I was mm-hmm. Patrick Cantlay and I made some of those up and downs or some of those putts, I, I, I think, Derek, you and I talked about the stat. He set a record in, like, since they've done shot link and tracked this stuff, I think he gained 14 shots on the field per round putting, which is <laughs> which is crazy. Um, that's insane. like That's, that's so how crazy. well he putted versus every other professional golfer in the field. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, if I, making, if I was making if I was making putts may. like that, I would be fist pumping in Bryson's face every single <laughs> hole. <laughs> well,
2: yeah. But yeah.
1: that's not that's not high his high approach, high and high. that's not what he did. So,
2: yeah. And I will contend, yeah. Nate will fist pump or scream down, running down the fairway at a different group if he holds up. Yeah. So he, Nate's got no problem showing emotion on the golf course.
1: That's exactly right.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's true. That's true. But all uh,
2: uh, I, I, good, only good emotion, Though he, he
0: doesn't usually show too, too many negative emotions. No,
1: no, but, no, but, no. but but
2: you know, going back to Cantley, I mean, the you, you talked about his putting. I mean, the up and down on seventeen. Uh, you, you talk about uh, you, you thought that you know when he stuck it in the water he lost. That was a great, uh, not just a good, but a great up and down. I and mean, then he follows it up, obviously, with birdie on eighteen. Um, I mean, I, I think that's we're talking a lot about Bryson. I don't want to say collapsing. I, I'm not sure I'd use the word collapse, but not taking advantage of the opportunity that's there. Uh, Cantley did the opposite. I mean, he, he 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 hit a bad shot on on 17, recovered immediately with a, a good wedge and a, I think a 10 footer right that he made for for his bogey, and then a, mm. and then a good birdie on 18, and then he goes into the playoff and he you know. He hangs in there while Bryson missed some putts and then when he got his opportunity, he holds it. Um, well th- the thing I loved
0: was like when Bryson
2: hit his shot on seventeen
0: in a playoff, the second time they played seventeen, I mean that was a great shot. I mean then everybody went crazy. And then Cantley like, stepped up and hit it inside of him to like three feet. I mean that was like that was just one of those moments where it's like, Oh my gosh, like this is this is thrilling golf, and then, you know, they both make birdie, and then Cantlay, uh, makes that big long putt on 18, uh, and Bryson misses his 8 footer or, or 10 footer or whatever he had on 18, uh, to try and tie it. But, um, man, it's just, I, I really thought, man, that was something that, like, that, that shot on 17, that's a shot we need to put in our memory bank, and everyone needs to remind Patrick Cantlay up during the Ryder Cup. Like, Remind him of 17 in the playoff against Bryson at the BMW. Because if he goes into any match and thinks about that shot, I mean, that's that's about as good as you can do one on one against head to head against somebody who's just been lights out for you know a lot of the week. Um, I mean, he. Just I think,
1: and I think the, the coverage shot for shot. The coverage shared a tweet that Thomas Bjorn, the the European Ryder Cup captain sent out say, saying something along the lines of that he has folks looking through the history books to prove that Patrick Cantlay is, in fact, Canadian <laughs> and, <laughs> and therefore would not qualify for the U.S. Ryder Cup team. So, And that was before the playoff had even started. So um, yeah. I think everybody knows that Patrick Cantlay is a... Like, the guys who are around and, and see it and experience guys at that level a lot understand yeah. that patrick cantlay is has a different gear and is capable of some pretty impressive things
0: yeah yeah for sure for sure and and um i just i loved his emotion that he expressed when he won like i like you said nate we, we kind of see him as this kind of very stoic focused you know uh, never really getting excited never really showing too much emotion good or bad either way and um you know, after the win, you know, obviously pumping up the crowd, uh, appreciating the crowd and what the crowd, uh, how the crowd had cheered for him and, and supported him. Like, um, that's, you know, that was really cool to see that come out um, of him on Sunday. Um, and I, I appreciated Patrick Cantley a lot more after that because he just felt a little bit more human. You know what I mean? Um, which I think is hard you know when you see these guys uh dj a lot of the same way like when he won the masters and he got really emotional for the first time we'd ever really seen him get emotional like that um it, it just kind of it humanizes these guys and you you begin to appreciate them a little bit more for that um side of them
1: you know i agree and yeah. i think on an, on another point i uh, last time i was in dc i had an opportunity to play caves valley Ooh, um. Nice. I di- so I had to choose. So we only had one round, like one free round that I didn't already have planned. So I had to choose between Caves Valley or Woodmont Country Club, which is just outside of DC. Yeah. Um, where I think they played a U.S. Women's Amateur recently. Okay. Um, but the deciding factor for me was that uh, the my buddy uh, Brad, who I was playing with there locally in DC told me that Barack Obama just became a member at Woodmont and there was a chance mm. that we could take a picture with him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, because he's uh, apparently, when when uh, Obama's in town, that's that's where he's at. He, he like plays golf all the time. And I can attest that Woodmont's practice, they have 36 holes there, Woodmont's practice facility is extremely nice. It reminds me a lot of what we saw at Wingfoot, not necessarily the range, but like right. they have like a short course chipping area that is yeah. like kind of goes up a hill a little bit and it's uh it's beautiful. So uh, decided to go play Woodmont in hopes of grabbing a picture with the U.S. president, even though not necessarily maybe the the one that I would agree with most, but a president who plays golf nonetheless. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. it turns wow. out turns out he didn't show up until later in the day. So yeah. didn't even didn't even have a chance, but I did have to submit my social security number because the um, the Secret, Secret Service, service was... yeah, the Secret Service wanted to run everybody who was going to play that day. So
0: that's funny, that's cool.
1: So I tried that, to. I'm trying that's to a talk different
0: of, golf club when you got to give me your social security card whenever you <laughs> show up and play your that, deta- that, Sir, we need your credit card and your social security
2: number. Um,
1: that's right, um, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> And so now I'm trying to get with Brad to maybe schedule a trip up there so I can play Caves Valley. I have a feeling I'm not going to shoot like 62. Those guys made that course look really, oh really, God, really that... easy. <laughs> yeah.
2: They, they made it look like a pitch and putt. It was just, I mean, yeah. Was, what, 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 Cantley was 27. They were, right?
0: they were, Is that they were right? both? Yeah, they were both 27. And then Cantley, I mean, made two birdies and Bryson made one. So, I mean, if you take that into account, it was like. I think cumulative under par was 28 and 29 under for the week. <laughs>
2: that's ridiculous.
0: Um, so, yeah, that's crazy. And, I mean, there were there were multiple guys in the 20s when it was said and done, right? Like, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. There were there were plenty of guys in the 20s, which I think is just insane. I think most of those guys who were probably like 22, 23 probably were like, man, I really felt like I played well enough this week to win a golf tournament. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <So>, um, <laughs> but uh, you know it is what it is uh but this week we got a big tournament obviously East Lake Tour Championship and uh we, i mean just a lot of uh big memories big things have happened here uh big winners um in the past and and uh so um you know this new format that they came out with i think maybe 2 years ago of where you start uh the the person who has the lead in the FedEx Cup starts at 10 under par, and then the rest of the field kind of finishes after, making it so that whoever wins the Tour Championship actually wins uh, the FedEx Cup. Uh, and so if you can somehow climb yourself out of the hole, or if the person or the people who kind of have that lead to start with crumble to start with, and it kind of evens out the playing field. Uh, you know, the guy who's in 30th place can win the tour championship and also win the FedEx Cup, um, in, at the same time. And so, uh, it's, you know, they're playing for all the marbles essentially this week, but it is a little bit of a weighted, uh, system. Uh, who do you guys feel like has some of the best? I mean, maybe is like a person that you're looking at. I mean, where do you feel like you draw the line? Uh, do you think the guys who are all the way at, at 30 have a chance, or do you think it's more middle of the pack, those who are kind of starting at four or five under have a chance? Uh,
2: I mean, normally I would say you know you got to be within five or six, but it's four rounds of golf, right? And these guys are good uh, if they get hot. I mean, Patrick Reed, I think, is the number 30th. He was the last guy in. He's ten yeah. strokes back. He's at even par. Can'tley is minus ten, right? So he's he's ten strokes back. Um, I mean, Reed is good enough if he's on top of his game and playing well. Which th- those are different questions. Um, I mean, he can he can beat Can'tley by ten strokes over over three days over four days. Um, Same with like Colin Morikawa, who's I think three under. Um, so he's seven strokes under, off yeah. the lead. He can make up seven strokes in in, in four days, uh, but. Um, So they just have to play really well. I don't think Patrick Reed's going to win, but I wouldn't be surprised if Morikawa comes out and and plays really well. He's got the horsepower to do it. Um, A guy like Kevin Na, who's 2-under, I don't don't think he can recover all the way. There's too many guys in the way, but these guys are good. I, I think anyone in the field can recover. They just need four good days in a row.
1: And I think that's hard, though. so i I, I think I agree with your number, Derek. It, it's probably five because you have to keep in mind that those are basically the the way that they're ranked on the leaderboard is how they've played over the last you know two, three weeks. Yeah, that's true. And so the guys at the top are the guys who are who have literally played the best golf in the world over that period of time and it's just the sheer number of good quality golfers, no matter how good the guys are behind you, you know the, the talent is somewhat bunched up, and, and you would think the form is kind of at the top that to the extent the cream has already, already risen a little bit there. So I think it's probably five, and I think those guys have to get lucky. They have to have some questionable or... or mediocre rounds from some of the guys that I just don't I don't see that right they have to the guys at five have to five maybe four they have to play four great rounds and the the folks above them have to shoot a couple rounds at par and I just don't see with as consistent as Patrick Cantlay was and you know Tony Finau shot 63 John Rahm seems to never shoot a bad round. I mean, he'll make double bogeys and still shoot 65s. Um, I just don't see there being an opportunity for a guy to come from way back to to lap those guys. I just don't, from from a form perspective, I just don't think it's possible. It, it would be different if they were playing at Wingfoot or some other course that is extremely challenging. I don't think the conditions are going to be all that hard at Eastlake this week. Um you know, big greens, pretty wide, generous fairways, not a ton of problematic rough. I don't think the guys at the top are going to drop, so the guys that are going to have to try to chase them are going to have to lap them, and I just don't see that happening.
0: Yeah, well, I think, I think too, it's going to be soft. I think it's going to be a little bit softer than we may think it's going to be uh, because the hurricane is going to be moving through there over the – like today and tomorrow um, that's coming up from the Gulf. And I think it's going to bring a lot of rain into that area and it's going to soften that golf course up. And I think you got you give these guys a, a soft golf course that isn't super long. Like they're going to just absolutely tear it up. And, um, and so I think, you know, you're looking, you know, when it's all said and done, if some of those guys who start at six under par don't get close to 30 you know, I'd be, I'd be surprised, you know? Um, I, I, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's possible. I just don't feel like it's probable. I feel like, uh, there's one of the, there's just this aspect. I feel like this is weighted so heavily, uh, to the people who are playing the best and they are so far out in front of those who maybe aren't playing the best, but somehow got in off of like maybe their entire season. um, Ranking, I, I think, I think you you're looking at you know you're looking at guys who probably are right now within you know four shots, five shots of the lead. I um, I, I think it'd be hard for for somebody you know six shots back to to come up and um and win the golf tournament. But I could yeah, be I, wrong. I mean,
2: well, you know, I'll, I'll I'll put it this way though. I mean, there's only five guys. Five under or lower: Cam Smith, John Rahm, Deshambo, Finau, and Cantley. Those are your only five guys who are less than five. So, if you were to look at a leaderboard and you saw Cantley with a six-shot lead versus Justin Thomas with three rounds to go, right? Say that was a, a, a Thursday leaderboard. You wouldn't necessarily think, you know, that Thomas can't recu- can't get six strokes over three rounds on Patrick Cantley. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, it's and good. that's. It, it, it's just it's. Uh, I, no, I don't necessarily think guys like Patrick. Gallo, I'm not. I don't think they're going to win. Um, but I, I don't think that just those guys that are uh, at, at the top. I'm not sure. I'm quite ready to anoint you know Cantley as as the winner or John Rahm as the winner uh, until they come out and play. Because I mean, even just look at the the BMW last week. Right on the last day. Um, what, what would Cantley shoot, he shot 65, I think, uh, or 66. Um, you know, and how many guys did he shot worse than that? Right. Um, I mean, you can make up three or four or five shots in in, in one day. So Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, um,
1: right. But But I think the problem is you have to be consistent. I guess that's my, that's my issue. I, and it would take a guy like Justin Thomas is a good example Rory, maybe another example that you yeah. can throw out there. Xander, potentially, like it takes a guy like that with supreme talent to be able to play like that for four days to make up that margin.
2: It totally, we, I, no, yeah. No,
1: I, I no don't think I don't think can't. I, I don't think the top three guys are going to fall back. So they're to going we know to have.
0: How far back? The winner came from last year.
1: I don't.
2: Nope, but we can find that out pretty easily. Did did DJ win it? Didn't he win it?
0: And I think he went in like second, maybe.
2: Uh, yeah, DJ did win. Uh, I don't know where he started though. Let me. Uh, I'll, I'll what was his winning?
1: What was his winning score for the tournament? Twenty-one. Oh, okay. So guys go low. So it's not like it's not like the winners at fifteen under.
2: No. No, yeah. he, was,
1: he, was, he was 21. Um. But I think the hard part, to, to finish that thought, I think the hard part for any of those guys chasing is that you don't have any, you, you have no breathing room. And maybe for some of those guys, that's good, right? The no laying up right. guys always give Rory a, a hard time because he's like the master of like insignificant tournaments that don't matter and he'll show up and play great at. And And maybe this is exactly. one of them like it it really doesn't matter and and he's getting ready for the Ryder Cup um and so maybe he goes well, out and play. just I mean, just plays great, I don't know. Yeah. But I I think the problem is those guys like the the guys that are chasing have to play really well, really really well over four rounds and have to expect some mediocrity from the guys up top.
0: Yeah, I mean I think Schafley has a chance cuz I mean he's won here twice. And I think last year, if you go back and you look, I think if I'm correct in this, I think he actually had the lowest score to par. I think from he did. Thursday through Sunday. Yes. But he didn't win the golf tournament because he was so far behind to start the week. Uh, but I think he actually played better than anyone else through the week, if that makes sense. Um, and uh, But I don't know what he finished at or, or how far behind DJ he finished. But um, I, I don't think it was that far. I don't think he was that far behind DJ. Um, but, uh, Bob, did you get that number?
2: Uh, not yet.
0: Okay. Well, it, it's not really all that important. I just was, I think, I just think it's interesting to kind of like think about that. Cause I think, you know, if there is a trend of where the top five guys tend to be the only guys who ever win the tour championship, like it, the, the weighted system that it is, like, I don't know if it's good for golf or good for the Tour Championship or not. I don't I don't know if it's the right way to reward the guys who are playing best at the end of the year. And I don't know that it's necessarily a great way of rewarding guys who played great leading into the playoffs, but maybe didn't play way well in the playoffs. Like, Colin Morcal, for instance, I don't think he's made a cut in the playoffs.
1: Right. Uh, he, Well, but I I think the balance there is what they were trying to do is do something a little bit different in golf because you do have teams in baseball and football, like the wild card teams, the teams that barely make the playoffs, get on a heater and end up winning the World Series or the Super Bowl or making it to those big events um, because all you have to do is win, you know, in basketball, it's a series, baseball, it's a series or, or, you know, even easier, maybe in the NFL, it's one game, right? You play, you play one great game and you win that playoff game, and then you advance to the next round. And so I think they were trying to balance that out with, you know, well we have a whole year's worth of golf, and then that gets you into the playoffs and ranks you in the playoffs in a certain way. And then once you're in the playoffs, the playoffs are the playoffs. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's what they're right. trying to do because you see that in some that volatility is what you see in some other sports. Um, yeah. And, and you know, to be honest, I think it does make it a little bit more interesting. Otherwise, the same we would probably see the same names like John Rahm, Morikawa. I mean, those guys would dominate this year, right? Yeah. Um, because they, I think they were by far the the two best players on on tour this year, uh, especially with Spee's kind of disappearance. So I, I like the fact that it kind of reshuffles and gives everybody an opportunity to reset, and honestly, gives those guys something else to play for right so, bring bring well, your A game
0: i think yeah yeah bring your A game uh so all right so with that said um who are you guys going to pick to win it all
2: well i guess I'll, uh, I'll i'll take a stab at that one first um i uh i don't necessarily want to take nate's thunder but i'm taking Fina. <laughs>
1: okay <laughs> i uh but not by
2: a million. Not 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 by a million. Uh, but uh, I, I do uh, just the the form he's been in, and I know obviously he didn't win last week. He won the week before, but he I think he had the low round uh, at at um, at the BMW. I think on Maybe Sunday. Not. On Sunday, right? Um, which uh, it, it I, I just like the way he's playing. Um, he is he, he's only two back to start, so obviously that goes against the other things that I was saying. But I, I, I like where he's at. Um, I will say if I'm going to take someone who is is back a little bit a uh, little a little bit further, um, I, I actually like Rory. Um, he's the problem is he's eight strokes back, so it's a long way to, to come back. But he is uh, he always seems to play well uh, at East Lake. He's won here before uh, a couple of years ago, I think twice. I think he's won at East Lake, so I like I like. Uh, I like he obviously knows the course well, but uh, I think he's too far back, so I'm I'm taking Tony.
1: All right. Well, so I I do hope that Tony wins. That's who I'm going to be cheering for. But I would lo- I'm going to pick the redemption story that is Cam Smith. Oh, I, I think like I I think he's been playing. You know, maybe outside of Patrick Cantlay, now that he he won last week, I guess you have to throw him in there. And um, Bryson, I think he's been playing some really consistent golf going back to the Olympics um, yeah. local Jacksonville beach guy. So I have a rooting interest in that. Um, but I, I think it would be a great story. The fact that he got himself into that playoff with Finau hits the first one out of bounds. It basically becomes moot at that point, but he battles back and he keeps fighting and he wins somehow finds a way to make up those shots. The guy's a great putter. I, I think statistically one of the top putters on tour. And I think everybody's going to be hitting the ball deep. Everybody's going to be hitting the ball flush. It's going to come down to who can make some putts. I do not believe Patrick Cantley will have a record-setting putting performance again. (laughs) I don't think that's how putting works, at least for us mere mortals. So um, (laughs) I think he may drop off a little bit, and I think Tony doesn't do well seeing his name up on the top of the leaderboard um and so I think it it may and and who knows what happens with John Rahm I don't think you can go wrong there either but I think Cam Smith would be a great story and I think somebody honestly who probably deserves that that reward that comes with a FedEx Cup for just how consistent he's been um the last half of the year
0: yeah I mean I I like both of those picks I mean I think they're both great guys they're great for the game of golf and and I think if either one of them wins, it should be celebrated by the world of golf because they're both just so cool. Um, and I think, generally speaking, most of these guys love these guys um, a lot. I I find it really hard to go against, and I don't I don't know where they are positioned. But if I'm going to pick a dark horse, if I, if I was going to pick a dark horse for this, I would probably say. Um, like, my two picks would be Shoffley and, and Rory. And that's just because I know that Eastlake is a place that they eat up and tear up and um, absolutely love and play really, really well almost every time they're out. I mean, Rory was in the final group with Tiger in 18 when Tiger won it. Um, I, I think, you know, uh, he won it in 19. Um, I, you know, Shawfle uh, has won it twice. Um, I, I, so I, I just think those two guys, have, I know they're far back, but I, I like their chances to get close to the top uh, before the end of the weekend. But if I am going to pick somebody, I think I'm going to pick John Rom. I, I just don't see how you can go against the number one player in the world because he does seem to be playing more consistently on a regular basis than anyone else. And And I do think that, like, the last couple weeks – he has played really, really well to start, and then, and this has not closed it out. I think in a situation like this, I think he has good vibes. Uh, thinking back to the U.S. Open, thinking, well, I've never won a tour championship. I think he's been the best golfer this year on tour, um, and and so I think I think he gets it done, and he wins the tour championship, and uh, essentially becomes. Uh, the you know I think PGA Tour Player of the Year uh, based off of off of this. Um, I I don't love saying that because going to the Ryder Cup, I hope he doesn't win. Uh, but but I think he I think he's the winner coming out of this. I I, I would love to see um I would love to see Fina win as well with the two of you guys, but but I think uh, I think John Rom. And I think I think Choffley and, and McIlroy will be close.
1: So, so. Um, what are your takes on how Bryson responds this week? I mean, he has a chance. If he, if he, you know, he well, if, yeah, he had an under
0: right start the week.
1: Right, he had a what? Uh, I don't know how far was that put? An eight footer for fifty nine? Eight footer. Yeah. Yeah. On Thursday, so you know, he shot twenty seven or twenty eight under par, whatever got him into that playoff too. Um, and I think you can probably, I don't necessarily believe it's true, but you could have a perspective or a take that that was his playoff to, to lose. And he lost it. Patrick Canley didn't win. Bryson lost it. Should have made a couple of those putts that he had a chance at. So, you know, I know he has a blow up and he, he seemingly is back on the ropes, but at the same time, this is the guy that continues to have all of this drama and disputes and controversy surround him, and he still shows up and plays well. I don't know how he does it. It would seem to be tiring and exhausting to me, but he seems to do it. How do you think he shows up? What what shape is his game and mental state in when he shows up at, at East Lake on Thursday?
2: I, I'm going to go out on the limb and say he's closer to 40 than 30 on the front nine at East Lake. his first nine holes. Ooh. Uh, I, 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 uh, it's it, it, clo- and, you know, similar to what happened at Tory Pines, and, and he had it happen a couple other times. Where just uh, he's playing well, and just something happens, and he can't recover. I think that's what's going to happen here. He was playing well, right? Uh, he has—I don't want to say a bad playoff. I mean, he was one under through six holes in a playoff. That's not—that's not terrible, but missed opportunities, and then he's got the the fan altercation. Um, now he's got to go to Atlanta and you know, p- play in the Tour Championship to, to a course that I'm not sure sets up really well for for him. Um, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, but uh, I, I think he – the first day, I, I don't think he breaks par on, on Thursday. Not to say he's not going to win or not going to play really well later, but I think Thursday, I think he's got a decent chance of moving backwards. Um, and I don't know – that, you know, I, I I think he finishes outside of the top ten. Wow. So, have you
0: guys ever seen the movie American Psycho?
1: <laughs> yes. Sure.
0: That's that's what I think of Bryson DeChambeau as.
1: Um, <laughs> well, I mean, maybe, maybe maybe a little a sociopath. different.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's a sociopath. So I'm not so sure if you don't cross him the wrong way. He's not so much on roids right now. He wouldn't just kill you. Uh, so, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I, love to think that like he is an incredible golfer, and, he, and he's going to go out there and he's going to put all that stuff behind him mentally and those kinds of things. But like, I think somebody is going to be willing to get kicked out of East Lake and call him Brooksy. And I think somebody <laughs> is going to be willing. I think somebody is going to be willing to to heckle him. Um, at Eastlake, and I don't, I don't think it's gonna go well with him if he, if that happens. I don't, I just don't think he has the mental makeup to deal with that right now. Um, which sucks because you know, I mean, he's headed into the Ryder Cup, and that's gonna be, you know, even as pro USA as that crowd's gonna be, there's probably still gonna be plenty of heckling going on uh, in that situation. Maybe more than, you know. Obviously, more than there would be at a regular tour event. So, um, you know, i i don't i don't think i don't think he wins. i I would like to see him. Uh, I I wouldn't be surprised to see him finish top five. I don't, but I don't, I don't think he. You know, I I don't think he wins. I think he probably finishes probably above Cantlay, probably above the now, but you know, probably below. You know, he, he probably finishes fourth, fifth, somewhere in there.
1: That's I my my, my controversial take is I think he comes out and plays really well. And I think he's yeah. going to be in contention on Sunday. Because I because I, I, I think we have enough examples now where we understand that somehow, some way, maybe you're correct, Derek, maybe he's a sociopath and can put all this stuff aside <laughs> and but I, uh. whether he thinks it's for his good or he's creating it or it's working in his advantage, whatever the circumstances are, he continues to have all of these other controversies that pop up and he continues to respond and he puts himself in that spot enough. And it's a very strange thing. We don't usually see it in golf, but I, I don't think this is going to be any different than what we've seen over the past, you know, uh, through the summer. And so I I think he shows up. I think East Lake does set up for him well. An old golf course that isn't really that long, that has some pretty generous fairways. He's going to go out and hit driver. Um, I mean, and, and I guess it'll be a good litmus test to see where he's at. But I think he I think he wants to go out and prove everybody wrong, because we we know the tour is going to institute that rule, where if you call him anything other than Bryson, you're ejected. I agree with Derek. Somebody's going to be overserved. And they're going to they're going to say some stuff and and he's going to get them ejected. And I'm sure we're going to see it on, you know, golf social media. Um, But it'll it'll be interesting to see. I I think he comes out because I think he finds solace and his focus on the golf course. I don't think he does anything else. Well, I I don't think he should ever have a microphone in his face because he's not good at that. But he is good at eating six pizzas and drinking protein shakes and going out hitting 400-yard <laughs> drives. And I think he's yeah. going to do that this week in an effort to try to prove everybody wrong. And Derek, yeah. I, do think, I do think you bring up a great point. One, it is important to note that the Ryder Cup is not a PGA Tour event. It's co-sanctioned by the European Tour and the PGA of America. That's who owns the rights to the Ryder Cup. So the Brooksy rule will not, at least as far as I'm concerned, unless they adopt it separately. The PGA Tour rules do not dictate the, at the Ryder Cup. So I don't know the Brooksy rule will apply there. But they are lucky that it's on it's on American soil <laughs> and not in Europe because those folks can be mean. If you've ever watched yeah. like European soccer... Specifically <laughs> yeah. in England, I mean, they say some like really mean stuff, sexist, racist, personal stuff, um, and and that's that's no joke. And so I think those guys would would have a heyday with him if they had if the U.S. team was traveling over to Europe. So, thankfully, yeah, it's on American yeah. soil. Still expect some some incidents, but it'll be interesting to see how the Brooksy rule plays out moving forward, going into the Ryder Cup.
0: Right. Well, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, it'll be it'll be interesting uh, to say the least. I I look forward to uh, to tackling that on our next pod, which will be our Ryder Cup special, um, leading into the Ryder Cup. So, uh, but we're out of time for tonight, and uh, and the, and so you get you get our takes. Uh, we uh, I, I, you know, I I don't know. It, it would be interesting to see. You know, if you listen to this podcast, comment. Uh, on our Instagram, let us know how you think Bryce and is going to do this week. I think it would be interesting uh, to see those comments come through. But anyway, I hope uh, everyone's having a good time uh, this week watching the Tour Championship. It's been a great golf season. Come soon in this week, and then we have the Ryder Cup, which I think we're all looking forward to. Uh, and then, uh, and then we have some exciting things that that we'll be uh, we'll be doing uh, after that uh, to get kind of uh, wind down. Uh, the rest of this year. So, uh, talking about different things in golf outside of kind of PGA Tour and, and those kinds of things. So, looking forward to, to being back with you. Uh, make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe, and uh, we will be back with you next week. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, as always, uh, hit them straight and uh, make lots of buzz.